This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Ballantine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40K's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Ballantine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Del Borvik as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band succeeded in their various missions. Atticus found Father Marcellus, who he hopes will join the party. Morgan successfully got the Tyranid Carapace sent to Valentine. And Eli killed a Grot and unknowingly completed the plan. But will Valentine be able to trade with the Ordo Xenos knowing the Carapace has the mark of Nurgle? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. Disciplinary Report on Oathful Dire. We've been over this. Just because someone shows up at the elevator doesn't mean they're an inquisitor. This is your fifth and final warning. (laughs) Eli and Morgan, having successfully uh, managed to obtain uh, what was definitely Claire Hurst's property, um, you have returned to Marnie's song uh, with the uh, the Xenos uh, carapace that uh, Valentine had requested in order to trade with Ordo Xenos uh, to get some, ideally, some uh, Eldar or Necron tech in order to uh, help upgrade uh, Gideon Kotov's equipment. Um, you've arrived back now, having uh, successfully pulled off your heist. Um, Atticus, you've also boarded... Um, with Father Marcellus um, to try and uh, bring him into the retinue. And Valentine, uh, you sent uh, Kota, or not Kota, rather, uh, Ivanikov off on um, a, a brief quest uh, to find out more information about Morgan, if he can, and um, perhaps uh, more importantly, uh, i got to review my notes. It's been, a, it's been a day, my friends. Brain template stuff. Brain template, yes. How to figure out if... Uh, Gideon Kotov is fucking around with a template or if right. the template's legitimate because he does not want to create 
hundreds of Kotov's threads. Yeah, you're just, he's, he's looking out for the, the frog DNA being added to the dino DNA leading to Jurassic Park's uh, one through six. Good God. Um, it's a lot of movies. Uh, so, uh, great. We find our crew here, and uh, Morgan and Eli, uh, you've returned with the box. Now, Valentine, you'd ordered uh, the box kind of uh, put in containment um, in order to uh, properly analyze uh, the Tyranid Carapace. Um, unfortunately, uh, there isn't uh, a great containment unit aboard the ship. You get the sense that this wasn't the sort of thing Billingberg would deal with directly. He would likely have people on the tomb ships activated to deal with more dangerous things or uh, utilize his own code or code or Jesus retinue. Um, <laughs> you know, just rolls off the tongue and into the heart, doesn't it? Um, so uh, you're going to have to put one together. But the good news is you have some very helpful people on board the ship now. Uh, so basically, um, uh, uh, Gideon and Thaddeus are kind of going to be assisting you in building this, this containment unit um, in a, a part of the ship that would be uh, appropriate for it. Um, what uh, what sort of things would be the prime concerns for you in terms of uh, installing this on the ship? Uh, Valentine wants to be able to view the sample to confirm it is what it is, to see if there's anything wrong with it or anything additional that would be useful. So I'm picturing what he would like is almost where you see uh, the incubator style, where you can put something in through the side. It's got the glass window. You can see what's going on. You can put tools in and out a sterilized chamber, and you're reaching in with those big, thick gloves. So you're not actually touching anything in a way that can directly contaminate you or anyone else in the room. Great. So um, after uh, Thaddeus finishes hanging uh, uh, an Aquila somewhere visible, um, he uh, he kind of turns to uh, regard uh, Kotov uh, and says, um, Friend Mechanicus, I have a few concerns that traditionally what you put together isn't exactly uh, how to put this organics friendly. I'm afraid I've seen your facilities and my medical opinion is that there's more care put toward the result than the person you are drawing the result from. And Kotov's just like, ah, yeah, well, uh, you know, there, there it is. There it is. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I want the results? Uh, and you can tell Valentine that like, he's in the process of building a very dangerous containment unit. Um, so Thaddeus comes over and the, the two start to quarrel a little bit um, in terms of like, you know, they just speak different languages. One wants to help heal people. One, what's a people? Um, so uh, I'm going to need you to roll for me, please, um, a, a leadership check um, as you try and not uh, the task will be done regardless, uh, just how safe it is after these two very different cooks get their hands on it, uh, will kind of rely on uh, how well you're able to guide them. So I'm going to say for this one, um, it's a difficulty. It's only a difficulty of two. Um, the They're both committed to the task. Neither of them is actively trying not to do the job. It's more so just a, will they fuck it up a little bit because they're, they're arguing kind of situation. Uh, in terms of uh, our story point situation, we are, I believe, still sitting at uh, one in four one in my four. favor. Yep. Uh, I'm going to spend one here, um, just crank cool. difficulty up a bit, um, because I'm a, a kind and just god, um, unlike that clown on the golden throne, am I right? Um, hey, and uh, hey. in terms of, sorry, sorry, Nero slips out every so often, you Watch know, you once you now. go down that road, uh, it's hard to unsee that big eye in the sky. Um, so... Uh, Valentine, I think in terms of boosts and setbacks, 
Um, I'm actually going to give you a boost for just the fact that both of these people are very good at what they do. So even while fucking up, they're, you know, it's not like you have someone who isn't capable of building this working on it. You have two people who are actually very capable of doing it um, just from different angles. Um, I think that's actually it. Uh, oh, you know what? Um, uh, hmm. So give you a setback for Atticus kind of being there, keeping an eye on things. Uh, but he's bringing in Father Marcello, so he's kind of got his own thing going on. So I think that's where I'm going to leave it. Uh, anyone want to make any arguments for anything else that could be going on here? Nah. I don't think so. Cool. Ryan? Any magical Valentine things I haven't taken into consideration? Do you have, like, a containment unit, unit building arm that we haven't met yet? or? I mean, that would be great, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be uh, in 4th edition, I guess. You know, we gotta yeah, wait. that's the problem. That's the problem. I, I needed to multi-class. Uh, okay, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it. We'll just let this be a straight roll. All right, it feels good. like it's in their hands, not his. Uh, uh, one can... advantage, two failures. Okay, um, we're oh. knowing that that's the result. Um, what uh, what did Valentine say or do to try and uh, motivate them? That did not clearly did not work. Uh, Valentine just watched. He's still figuring this party out, so he wants to see how they interact so he can manipulate future interactions. But that means he's got to figure out who can overpower who in their own little battles. Great. Okay. So, um, ultimately, the problem uh, that you observe is that uh, Thaddeus knows... He, like he knows what's going wrong with this in terms of he can see all the dangerous bits, but he lacks the technical mechanicus knowledge to build the actual device. So it's one of those things where he's looking at it constantly being like, that's dangerous, that's dangerous. Um, but because he doesn't actually know how to build the device, Kotov is kind of like, sure, do you have an alternative? And it's like, well, no, that's just dangerous. You shouldn't do that. So as a result, um, you do end up with a containment unit that does have uh, like the giant Michelin man gloves uh, for you. But um, you can tell that it's not entirely safe. Um, it's it's it, kind of what you would expect from from Kotov. Uh, so it's it's more Kotov than it is uh, Thaddeus, who is now a little sulky. Um, his massive bulk is kind of like he's got his his you know tree trunk arms uh, crossed over his broad chest, um, and uh, you can see him kind of muttering uh, muttering under his his rank breath. Uh, and ever so often, just like angrily kissing the necklace. Um, you're not sure if it's oaths or what, but, you know, Gusty Pius. Faddis, you don't seem entirely pleased with this end result. Uh, in Inquisitor, I am, of course, happy with anything that serves the almighty emperor's purposes. He kisses the necklace. Um, and, of course, my lowly mind cannot conceive of, of all of his, his reasons and his designs. It just seems to me that this, well, there's, there's a reason you build a containment unit. It is to contain a monster like myself or some other such thing that could be of, of danger to you and your glorious purpose. This has not been built safely. So though it may contain an object, the device itself could cause harm, which seems to be at cross-purposes to our goals here. Interesting. So you're saying that whatever is inside it will be contained It is a danger to the operator? Yes. Excellent. Gideon, we're going to have you operate this now that you've built it. Uh, 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 
yeah, uh, about that. And he kind of like holds up his hands and sure enough, like he's going to shred those gloves. Um, his, his hands are full of all manner of, of whirring and spinning uh, gears and little saws and, and other bits and pieces. Uh, kind of like a horrific grim, dark inspector gadget. Inquisitor gadget. <laughs> Idiot, how will someone be injured using this machine? Uh, it, it's, it's fine. It's look, you're, uh, you're, you're a beast man over here. Uh, he, he's just looking at the sharp edges. He's, he's looking at his little, the, the spiky bits and, and showing concern, but you know, I didn't get these and he holds up his, his hands. He's like, uh, I didn't get these from, from not taking those risks. You got to just kind of get your hands in there and get messy. So, um, yeah, someone might get some cuts, uh, micro abrasions, that sort of thing. Uh, might get a little shock here and there, but that's all part of the process. That's well, that's, that's science. Well, Gideon, I hate to be clear, but I'm going to be operating your containment unit and any damage that is done to me, the rest of the crew will undoubtedly meet out on you. And I, I assume you've met Atticus. He just points to, <laughs> the 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 muscle bound guy who's like waiting to to talk to the teacher in the corner with a friend Valentine is ignoring until this issue is sorted. Atticus is standing at attention. He has no problem with this. <laughs> yeah, Father Marcellus is like one step over your shoulder. Um, also, kind of standing at attention, but also kind of behind you as much as he can. Um, uh, okay, so here's the problem, Ryan. Uh, because you failed on your roll. Uh, this machine cannot be fixed, and there there does need to be some consequence to, oh, yeah. to Valentine. Um, I'm not asking it to be fixed, baby. You may have noticed he never said do it again. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm aware. not committing I'm aware. to this problem. Um, <laughs> I'm just committing to threatening people about it. Valentine <laughs> <laughs> will do it himself. You had He's just saying they're going to fuck up this, this Mechanicus if they fuck up Valentine. You had two advantage? Uh, one advantage. One advantage? Okay, cool. Uh, Admittedly, so the other thing to factor in is Valentine does have a mechanical arm. So he That's is true. also yep. in a Kotov zone if he's doing shit one-handed. Um, your mechanical hand, though, like Kotov's hands are um, oh, he's all, all blades sorts of and tools. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yours, yours will be fine. Honestly, it's just like, weirdly, if he did it, it would actually put all of you at risk because he would invariably pierce the seal on these gloves. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, oh, no, I hope that virus doesn't get... Oh, God. Okay. Well, dead. now we're all dead. Um Okay, so um, you can go ahead and operate the machine uh, when you're ready. Um, He's ready now. Okay. <laughs> he, he made his threats. He's good to work. Great. Um, so Morgan and Eli, uh, you've delivered uh, the, the carapace armor uh, into this this kind of chamber. We'll say it's one of the, the storage chambers aboard uh, the ship. has been turned into this sort of small lab containment unit piece. Um, do you think that both of you would stick around for this? Um. Eli, with I mean, with his experience with the Tyranids, would want to be sure that there's nothing like no chance that something is still alive or something. There's going to be some sort of contamination. Like he's just probably a little, he's a little jittery mm -hmm. about bringing it on board. Like while he had to retrieve, you know, or retrieve Canehurst's quote unquote stuff. Hmm. Um, like he was fine he had the mission but like knowing what was brought back on board it's it's, it's gotcha. not sitting too well after he had some time to think and valentine uh did you mete out any form of punishment uh to eli after he killed the grot uh and and copped up to it at the end of the last episode or did you just kind of let it slide 
Valentine ultimately would have to let that go once the story was clear that Eli had also been kept out of the loop of information, which Valentine can appreciate, then it's the price of doing business. Okay. He, he can't really bitch about being like, I told you to do a mission to get a thing and the thing has been got and no one knows. And then he's like, why didn't you get more? Like he's he's a logical <laughs> employer, you know? All right, you. Fair enough. <laughs> Frustrated, yes, but the emperor didn't want him to have that grot. The emperor wanted him to have this carapace. Yeah, the emperor's just calling that grot back into... Hell. He knows hell, I guess. Uh, okay, fair enough. So, Eli, you don't have that hanging over you. Uh, I mostly asked just to see if, like, you also had a slap, you know, if your wrist was still stinging from being slapped, but it wasn't, <laughs> so you're fine. Um, all right, so you're going to stay vigilant uh, to mm-hmm. make sure that this isn't one of those, like, it's- I brought back a cursed tome. Let's all read it out loud. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's, like, windows into this. I think I'm picturing this as way too much of, like, a modern, clean, like, Star Trek. This is, <laughs> um, ship and knowing, like, nah, Laura, this is 40K. No way. <laughs> Uh, it would be in the way I'm imagining this room. If we're using Star Trek terms, it would be a bit like uh, one of the rooms is shown like a Klingon ship where the lighting is super red and everything yeah. is super industrial metal and there's sharp edges everywhere. So it's kind of like um, a small cargo room with just this central unit that I think we've established isn't huge. Also, the carapace isn't like the full torso of yeah. a, a Carnifex or anything. It's just like a chunk, like a, a shoulder blade style cool. chunk of carapace armor. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the containment unit in the middle of the room is, is big or honestly, if you're using modern track, it's the mycelial network chamber in discovery. It's just like a nice clean thing you can look into, but it's still a, an industrial room. It's not a, yeah. a clean room. So Eli will be standing like in just inside the room, like at the doorway, arms folded, uh, seemingly chill, but his foot's just tapping a little bit. Okay. Nice. And Morgan, would you stay in the room for this? Morgan would not be around for this. A, she already looked at it and doesn't want to know. And B, everyone seems to be very interested and distracted by this. So this is a perfect time to wander around the ship and look at all the rooms and figure out the floor plan and possibly schmooze with the pilot. Because she just wants information about what it is. Where's the secret passages in the ship? We gotta (laughs) find them just in case. Yeah, well, you go to the library or the study and it lets you go across the board and then you pop up another one. You need to know these things. Hello and well met. This is Sister Olianmina. I am recording this communique to humbly ask for your assistance. You need only to go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice for monthly tithes of nearly $5, which I am told is an old Terran currency. You'll receive, besides of course, the blessings of the Emperor, which are priceless, you can also get exclusive weekly video communications, keeping you up to date on the inner workings of those behind the scenes who help keep the Inquisition's engines running, so to speak. Join us now at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That is spelled D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and may you always walk in the light of the Emperor. And Del, uh, forgive me because it's been a hot second. Mm-hmm. Um, your colony, Nurgle wasn't the issue there. It was no. Sinch? Slanesh. Slanesh, right. Uh, I had Ooh. a one in four shot. <laughs> um, all right, great. Uh, so the chaos this is, in general, bad. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's still not a, like, a, oh, cool, don't worry. It's one of those benign chaos gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, okay. 
So Morgan, you're going to uh, attempt to stealth around the, the, mm-hmm. the ship a little bit. Um, knowing from your description how deeply Valentine would hate that, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to get both of you to, ta- to do a, uh, a roll here. Okay. Um, you want perception for my boy? Uh, just I would actually like observing? vigilance uh, from you, please, Ryan. And Alrighty. Dell, I think we'll go with uh, stealth. Do I get my jacket? <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I mean, say I know I because there's enough. I can see you. You're not yeah. invisible if you report. Fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Hey, you know, I'm gonna take what I can get over here. You know what I like is that there's always one of us around our table is always wearing this hat in each game. It's, <laughs> it's like whoever can get sneak attack damage is always like, am I? Yeah. Can, can yeah. I have concealment? Like it's true. When Ryan's playing Declan. He's like, can I hide? It's just like Laura's always like, <laughs> can I shadow step into? It's like everyone's got their one. So yeah, no, yeah. Dell, you don't get your sneak attack damage today. You just have to stealth like a normal person. Fine, I'll do. <laughs> now, roll your hundred dice. If we want to use me, do you want me to roll a check, or should I be the difficulty for the check, Tom? Um, how vigilant do you think uh, Valentine's being? Is this passive for him or active? I imagine like this task is busy. You've got two idiots who are kind of fucking it up, and now you have to operate heavy machinery. So I feel like this is probably passive. But correct me yeah, I'd be Wait, passive. So, yeah, let's let's just have me be the difficulty then. <laughs> Uh, uh, Thaddeus Thunderhorn, okay. Beastman, Aristocrat, Doctor, and Gideon Kotov, Mechanicus, Magi. <laughs> okay. So, Dell, your, your difficulty okay. for using my vigilance passively will be two green, one red. So, one, two purple, one red. Sorry, two purple, one, purple, one, red. Yeah. one yep. red. Yeah, sorry. Okay. All right. Cool. Do I do I get anything from um, being distracted? I'm yeah, just, this is I mean, my lady. This is how she, this is all her. She's like, what yeah. can you give me? So you definitely get a boost for uh, for the general distraction that's going on in the room. There's a lot going on. Um, <clears throat> you, hmm, I think maybe you can also take a boost for having done the task. So like you, you've literally, it's like you showed up with donuts for everyone. So everyone's mm-hmm. happy that you brought donuts. Um, but I'm also going to give you a setback for just how many people are in this room. It's like, yeah. Almost all of the named characters on the ship are hanging out in this room right now. So, you know, fading away, um, it's less that anyone will stop you, but someone might notice, which I think right. would probably, uh, might not actively impede you in any way, but it's not something Morgan would be thrilled about. I don't and I'm, I'm, I might throw this out there just to, just to argue, perhaps one more setback because Valentine is paranoid and you are the primary source of his paranoia on this <laughs> oh, ship currently. What? Come on. Did a good yep, job. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. Uh, but I will also give you a boost because of the bird. Oh, which is that's giving you some some extra eyes in the corridors. So madness. we're just going for it. just going for pure pure chaos on this. This is a chaos roll for sure. Chaos. All right, this is <laughs> three green, two yellow, two purple, one red, three boost, two setback. Uh, no, this is strongly weighted in your favor. Chaos is way closer to 50-50. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, here we go. Oh, mother trucker. Three advantages, one failure. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, that's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, what's I am laughing. I want you to succeed, but you were just so confident. <laughs> I know, but I, I, I wasn't confident. I'm just trying to do a Laura, thing over Laura here. Laura loves a good comeuppance, even if it's, <laughs> even if it's against her own interests. Fine. Fine. That. What's insane, if we're talking chaos, all of the setback and boost dice came up blank. All of them. Fuck. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. 
So whatever that wow, means. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Means the god we're dealing with is Malal, the one nobody <laughs> talks about. <laughs> uh, so there's a fifth gas god wants it. It's stripped from canon. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> What's his name? Malal? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's always I got three advantages. Yeah, well, we're going to spend those right now. So, um, Del, uh, you failed to slip away unnoticed, but with your three advantages, I'm going to say that um, you can pick who notices between Atticus, Valentine, and Kotov. Well, I'll say it's Atticus then. Atticus can notice me. Okay, so. Doodly, doodly. Uh, Atticus, you Whoa. notice uh, Morgan uh, slipping away. <laughs> You shouldn't have uh, done that doodly doodly as we're backing out. Yeah. Yeah. It was the twinkle fingers that, yeah. that caught Atticus's attention. Yeah. yeah, the invisibility cloak is very effective, except when you're saying doodly 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 do. And Atticus notices his hands. That's his thing. Big yeah. hands. Yeah. What would Atticus do about that? Um, the answer can absolutely be nothing. Uh, if I just don't think it is, though. That's the thing. I think Atticus would turn to Father Marcellus and say, wait here, let me make the introduction. Uh, I need to go look at something. And I'm going to go through the same exit that Morgan took. Okay. Um, do you care if she notices that you're tra- uh, tailing her? Or are you just following her kind of innocently at this point? Because you're... Because honestly, it doesn't look, I mean, or joking with the doodly doos aside, it literally just kind of looks like Morgan was standing around with everyone and then just like left. Like she could be going to the washroom. Like it's not. Okay. Under those pretenses, I would probably stay still. <laughs> I would probably remain at attention and waiting. If she just looked like she was innocently leaving to carry on about various duties, that's fine. I feel like Morgan, that's, that's at least how I was imagining it. I assume mm-hmm. that's, that's, yeah. Yep. She's being very casual. She's not tr- okay. like. You're not, you're not tiptoeing. No, she's not evil tiptoeing. I think it's more just a general, (laughs) a general scouting of the ship because she hasn't been on it really yet. She got sent back out again, so yeah. So the fail is just me noticing that she's left the room, but not noticing that she's scheming. uh, Then I would, (laughs) I would uh, remain at attention. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Cool. Um, So in that case, uh, Valentine, it's over to you Um, and and the, the containment unit. So the um, the box is placed inside the uh, the, the containment unit. Uh, the containment unit is sealed. Uh, Kotov, like you know, his fingers spin a variety of sort of keys as little little things come out, um, and it it locks with a hiss. Um, there's kind of like steam that comes off. It's super cool, um, and uh, you 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 have you have the arms. Um, so I think for this. Hmm. This is an odd one because this isn't really a, a skill we see too often. I'm thinking maybe cool or coordination. Uh, or I guess I would take a tech use as well. One of those, cool, one of those three. Coordination or tech use. Just depends on how you think you would go about this. Uh, tech use would be very much using all of your, your servos. Um, coordination is purely trusting your, your reflexes. And cool is more the bomb defusal expert uh, trying not to trip anything. Probably just coordination. He's just trying to do the job right. So, yep. yeah, what, what's my difficulty, Tom? Um, so the difficulty is three. Um, the I'll give you one setback just because the gloves are awkward. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be clear, this isn't whether or not you'll, we're not rolling to see if you'll actually check the item. You will check the item regardless of the outcome. Uh, this is what happens with the box. Yeah. You're correct. Yep. Uh, so that's it from my side. Um, we're sitting at two and three in my favor still. I'm going to burn a story point to bump uh, one of those up. So am I. Let's even it out. Ooh. Do your eyes grant you any proficiency for these kinds of tasks, noticing small details or anything like that? Uh, they can. Uh, they remove a challenge dice that apply to perception or vigilance due to environment. Oh, okay. So they just make it like if there's smoke or if there's other shit going Got on, it. I can okay. see through it, but they don't have like zoom facilities okay. or anything. And they like don't that. help you parse information no, in no, any way. Currently. Okay. All righty. Uh, let's just see what happens. Two advantage, two failure. Okay. Um, so, uh, Ryan, go ahead and take one, uh, one wound. Okay. Um, you, as you start to kind of like unwrap, uh, the box. And again, this thing's been in storage for a long time. It's, it's fairly inert. You're just being extra cautious because of all the horrors, you know, lurk in this universe. Um, it's just a matter of like you're you're constantly getting um, slight electric shocks uh, from kind of un just ungrounded raw uh, uh, mechanics uh, and that sort of thing. So again, not not causing you any huge damage, uh, just just enough that it's it's messing with your your servos a little bit. And I'm going to give you one uh, additional setback on your next roll, uh, whatever that may be, uh, just because it's fucking with your your optics a little bit. Um, to be be shocked this many times. I do get to remove one black die inflicted by critical injuries, the disoriented condition, or fear. Yeah, so I'd say that's that's fine. That that would great. Be the one. Then it's just, but it's him fucking muscling down. This is the mm-hmm. like. I feel like he'd be a very good poker player if poker involved getting quietly injured the whole time you were playing. <laughs> Shot poker. Oh. No one can tell he's getting hurt, but he is being hurt throughout yeah. this process. Uh, Imperium Hold'em is just yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the right. the. Cards shock you constantly while you play. If enough psychers die and you can get a regiment of soldiers together with the Emperor's Tarot, you can turn it into card games. Like, give them time. It happens. All right. So um, you unwrap the carapace uh, and, you know, you you see this massive um, uh, sort of faded purple. It's almost grayish now um, uh, carapace with uh, a, a the sign of uh, Nurgle, so the sort of circular um, icon uh, iconography of Nurgle carved into it. Um, Valentine, would you know that symbol? I, I imagine you would, being Hereticus. Yeah, he's Hereticus, so he's got to know all of the cult symbology. Like, he might not have an expert level. Like, I don't think he'd know how to, like, make a demon host or shit, but he's got enough that if he walked through and saw, like, graffiti, he's like, oh, we got to shoot people in that building. Hmm. Totally. Uh, and you have uh, you have Forbidden Lore, I believe, correct? Yep, I got two points in the two ranks in Forbidden okay, Lore. Okay, great. Uh, so let's uh, let's go ahead with a check, please, on on that, just because, again, it's, it's the most obvious thing as soon as you kind of use your your safety lap gloves to rip open the, the packaging. Um, the fact that it's got this sigil on it at all is, is incredibly strange. Um, Atticus, uh, would you, I don't think you'd be familiar. Oh. Um, no. So you're fine. And Eli, I think we've established the, the Xenos element would be more concerning. The good news for you yeah. is it is, it is gray in a very, like this is inert and dead way. It's your favorite shade of, of Tyranid. 
<laughs> it's a uh, uh, Eli doesn't have. Oh, I don't have my weapons anymore. Nope, they're Valentine's in a locker that, I, that only Valentine's. I was gonna say I'd have to earn them. Um, I think Eli kind of reaches for uh, his chain axe, realizes it's it's not there, and looks or looks just looks around the room to see if there's anything that can be used as a weapon in a pinch. Um, unfortunately, in this room, not really. Uh, your eyes do, however, alight on uh, the shotgun that Father Marcellus has. All right. Um, Eli will just take a couple of steps uh, in uh, in a kind of an attempt to, to, to seem like he's just getting like a different angle on the carapace. We'll move a little bit closer to Father Marcellus. A uh, gentle sidle? Yep. Right. All right. So you but with that up. very obvious kind of like looking over, you know, looking up sure. to get a better view. All right. So uh, you sidle over to be closer to Father Marcellus and his gun. Yep. Um, Ryan, in terms of your difficulty on this, uh, just two. Uh, this is okay. a hard check. This is just a what do you know? Um, yeah, I'm going to give you a boost because they um, there are really no immediate danger stakes that you can you can observe so this is a nice calm like it's it's odd and kind of unsettling that this is here but nothing's like there's no fucking ghost jumping out of it or anything um how would valentine be feeling seeing this this uh, this familiar but unexpected sigil uh concerned there's a possibility that this destroys the viability of the sample unless he can spin it a different way and the whole purpose of this is viable sample for trade so he needs to figure out why this mark is on it and if there's anything else in the box in the wrapping anywhere that'll also tie into this i mean first is trying to figure out what the fuck the marking means and he might be able to brain that out yep okay great um so that's it from my end um is there anything you wanted to add boost wise uh, I'll throw I'll throw a story point in there. Yep. It's just it feels right. Hmm. <laughs> uh, boost wise, I don't. I could try to pitch, but it feels like a stretch. I feel like he's just this is just doing the work. It's not even the part the work part that he's the best at, but he's not going to like expose his only adept to like a machine that shocks them and then possible like Xenos or Chaos Taint. They don't. Tristeus does not have the brain for this. Alrighty. Die roll. Ooh, one success, one triumph. Hey. hey. All right. So with that, uh, you mentioned earlier graffiti, and that's actually a pretty good pull for this. Um, it's it's a bit sloppy um, to your kind of expert trained eye. Uh, I think with the triumph particularly, you can I quickly identify that it. Um, you've seen it before. It's there's a difference between uh, a chaos worshiper, like an adept, and their um, sort of proper fanatical carving, whether it's into themselves, a victim, a wall, anything else, uh, the sigil of, of their respective chaos god. Um, there's, you can almost feel the belief coming off it. Like they talk about this a lot in the Eisenhorn books, but just like a lot of chaos stuff kind of has the scent 
of of chaos and like you can feel the warp energies that isn't present here um this does have more of a feeling of of graffiti of an aped thing that someone has seen and imitated um but again having rolled a triumph you get kind of the best version of this um it uh it it feels very inert to you there's there's no this doesn't seem like it's a it's an object that can summon anything it doesn't feel it doesn't have that sickening sense in the pit of your stomach uh it really just feels inert uh and like someone carved something they'd seen well that bodes well uh is there is there anything else in the wrapping or the box that he discovers yeah so morgan had left the uh the, the there was a note that was uh attached to it um sort of like a scrap of paper in a in an, an evidence envelope um so you like can just have that that's just there um so you managed to extract that but having uh done this research now and having taken this look um it really does just feel like a piece of bone that someone carved something into so whatever purpose that served it it's it seems to be completely inert now both in terms of like you know you don't share eli's fears that somehow a piece of tyranid bone could like regenerate into a full tyranid um but it just yeah it, it's a museum piece as far as you can tell um and then you get the the note all right yeah well he, he would open the note within the within the, the chamber the chamber as well yeah to read it um great so uh it seems to be a um a brief uh sort of a brief uh inquisitorial report um sort of a almost like off a notepad like if you think about like an investigator on the scene of a crime uh it's, it's that kind of like tear off stick stick on kind of thing um and uh, again given that you had a triumph uh it uh, informs you that um uh the carapace was the belonging of uh a heretic named merrick heimsker and uh according to the uh the sort of like interrogation and execution notes on heimsker um, he apparently uh, won it in a card game um, from an inquisitor who uh, reportedly said he, quote, got all he needed from it. Um, Heimsker then attempted to use it in a ritual, confusing Xenos with chaos and kind of thinking tomato, tomato. Uh, however, uh, having no actual capabilities in the summoning of, of monsters or demons or demon hosts, uh, nothing happened. Uh, it sounds like there was a lot of pomp and circumstance enough so that uh, he was captured um, by Inquisitor uh, Fortunus Verklo, who uh, summarily had him executed for heresy. Um, part of the reason that this note is just ripped off a notepad is you get the sense that this was such a non-issue case that everyone involved was kind of frustrated with it. And like, you've seen this before, right? Like you think you're on to like a major cult and you're really going to, get a big win for the emperor and instead you just find a jackass trying to summon demons by like yelling at a piece of bone. So that's what you get from the note. Um, and if you were to send a Traseus to, to kind of back that up, this is the kind of thing that will likely be logged somewhere, but won't really have any further information other than. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. He wouldn't expect any additional info on this or they would have had it already. Cause if this was a valuable sample, there would have been an interordo a whole political battle over this shit. Instead, it's something in a box. Useful, but not necessary. Mm. Um, this all checks out to him. He could fuck with this. There's a part of him that considers breaking off the part that's been graffitied. 
uh, to try to give a smaller, cleaner sample. But instead, he decides the greater value is in including this report with the carapace so that there are no questions about veracity and the overall tracking. So carapace and note go back in the box. Uh, whatever its weird wrapping was, because that shit, it's been opened and touched a bunch of Xeno shit, that stuff's just getting burnt. He doesn't mm-hmm. need the wrapping paper for this Xeno sample. Cool. Um, okay, so having sort of successfully done this, uh, you have the sample now uh, to go trade uh, to um, uh, the Ordos Xenos. Uh, and again, like it, to your point, uh, the defacement of it might be a problem, but also it's clearly a sample they don't have, uh, given that it was under uh, the Ordo Hereticus's, uh, it was in their section of the storage place. And obviously it's, it's linked to an inquisitor who doesn't seem to care uh, too, too much about it. Um, so that's all taken care of. Uh, you can go see him now, uh, but first you have to sort of figure out why there is a shirtless man just arbitrarily standing with Atticus. Uh, it's a detail you clocked, the man has a gun, which you also clocked, but it is kind of an oddity uh, within this room. Yes, yes. All right. So we finished. He just takes his his rubber, the, the hands out of the rubber gloves uh, and collects the sample. It, it, the case itself that it was traveled in, is it is it solid or is it kind of shitty? Because he put it in like a briefcase or something fancier if he wanted to try to actually trade it. Uh, Morgan, what did you what did you put it in? It was just a it's just like a crate. It's not great. It's whatever was at hand there that yeah. was the big uh, enough size like a, for it. Yeah, basically, it's one of those like banker boxes. Great. Then let's imagine the forty k equivalent of like the nuclear football case. That's what Valentine will switch it over to, great. so that it can be like traveled and carried without looking like it was taken out of an underground library. He'd like <laughs> it to just look like something that an inquisitor would carry around. Right. Um, he'll pack that up and just say, "All right, so Doctor Thaddeus." Mm. Your objections were logical. It was extremely unpleasant, but not thoroughly damaging. If you could do me a favor and look over Morgan Rawls, just to ensure that there was no direct contact or any other trace infections. I'm not worried about, and he looks to Eli, genetic tampering or anything that'll damage Morgan's mind. Eli definitely took a step, like a half step forward (laughs) in that, yeah. (laughs) That is not a risk in this case, at least not with this species of Tyranid. That is gene stealers, and it requires a certain amount of uh, tongue on thorax violence that did not take place in this case. So I just want to be sure that Morgan doesn't have any samples on her hands or any other part of a body that could infect her with anything viral or outside. I'm more worried about illness than anything else. Uh, would you mind doing that for me, Thaddeus? Uh, uh, of course, Inquisitor, but not simply illness, also impurity. We cannot allow any of, of your retinue to become monstrous like me and he just like immediately like rushes off like it's full er doctor thrown open the doors um he's he's real concerned uh and uh a kind of cloud of stench travels with him uh lingering slightly in the air as he uh takes off down the hall i do appreciate the religiosity of that effective abomination eli just a reminder you will be serving a week with the doctor as his assistant once we achieve uh, orbit. I'm not interested in that. While we are on the ground, there is other work to do, but once we are there, it is required of you. Atticus, it appears you brought a friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
This is Father Marcellus. Uh, I served with him on Vicodin. I can vouch for him as a soldier, sir, and I thought he might be a good addition to the team. I thought it might be uh, the Emperor's will that he and I should meet again here, just as we're about to embark on our highly classified mission. I, of course, thought you should vet him as you see fit, sir, but for what it's worth, I can vouch for his combat prowess. And your word carries a great deal of weight with me. Now, Father, what brings you from Vicodin to here? Our trip was, shall we say, somewhat circuitous. Yes, that makes sense. It is far from here and rather remote. Uh, you see, Inquisitor, I was a member of the Ecclesiarchy until forces allied against me for all the reasons that small-minded men are like to bandy against someone who speaks to the Emperor's glory. I had the pleasure of meeting Colonel Viss here during one of my tours to inspire the troops with my battle hymns. However, now I have fallen out of favor with those accursed small-minded fools in their robes and their finery, too afraid to hear the brutal truths, the truths that they must leave their finery behind and join us in the field of battle for the Emperor. And now, now I am but a forgotten soul wandering in search of purpose, hopefully purpose I could find with you. Well, your piety and your lack of interest in politics does you well. There have been many a member of the Ecclesiarchy who we could say have fallen down darker paths in search for their own power. Now, my only concern, Father, with Atticus's vouching for you in terms of combat prowess and your obvious ability to travel around and willingness to face down authority, all good. The Emperor is very glad that, that you are alive and, and serving your purpose. Uh... The same politics that have plagued you often plague those of us within the Inquisition. I don't have the power necessary to be able to turn around all the forces I would desire to achieve my goal. And my goal is to save the Emperor from a cabal of heretics who look to rip him off the throne, eat him, and then take over the galaxy. Like We've his eliminated eyes are, are starting to are trembling with... Uh with like furious pat like his hand is is clenching and unclenching near the shotgun as if he could just shoot those words out of the air uh you would uh there is also a uh, an unfortunate pop as both of Gideon Kotov's goggles pop out uh at hearing this um but he knows better than to interrupt the scene any further so he just sits there with them hanging um giving him a truly shocked look Yes, Gideon, welcome to uh, a series of Unfortunate Truths, a lecture series by Inquisitor Valentine. Now, Father Marcellus, my greatest concern, knowing that I do not have access to the tools that I would need, means that I have to use the tools that are at hand, because those are the ones given to me by the Emperor. For example, Thaddeus, you've seen uh, the Doctor, uh, a mutant, an abomination, one that would be slaughtered on any one of 10,000 worlds, but instead, in our case, is the only Doctor available to heal the soldiers of the Emperor in our task. We have members of our crew that have come from quarantine worlds, those who have killed an entire ship's worth of Imperial servants because of the threat of Xenos infection, those who have rebelled and killed their own unit in the Imperial Guard, and I have killed and sanctioned an Inquisitor in the name of this process, and will continue to do whatever it takes. The question is, there are many souls 
that are strong in the way of steel. Well, they are hard and they are cold. And when they are tested, they break. For they cannot adapt to times that may require their faith to be more flexible to achieve their ultimate goal. And then there are those that are strong, like a tree, like a sapling. When the wind blows, when the ground shakes, when storms follow, when rocks fall, they bend to the left and to the right, weaving themselves in the wind with great joy for the emperor, able to work alongside things, able to face corruption, able to step into the shadow and into the darkness, knowing that at the end of it, they step into the highest light because they serve the ultimate power for the ultimate purpose. Are you brittle in your faith? My Lord Inquisitor, I am the wind amidst the trees, and my words carry with them the sound of those willing to do what is necessary, what must be done. My soul is merely the Emperor's breath blowing through this world. It means nothing to me and should not concern him nor you. Excellent. Welcome to the Marnie's song. Atticus and uh, Captain Grimly Moody will sort out who will receive what quarters. You're officially a member of this band, and much like Thaddeus, who decorates and otherwise blesses the parts of this ship, I believe this ship has gone far too long without a preacher and without the Emperor's light. I give you leave to journey where you will, to bless what you can, and to bring us as much of the Emperor's light as possible. Um, and again, just like flat upper lip, but smile beneath it. And, um, you almost see a tear trembling kind of in his eye, but he blinks it away. Um, and he just says, it shall be done, Inquisitor. Our mission shall be a holy one. And these heretics shall die one at a time by fist, by bullet, by sword, and by will alone. Now, if you'll excuse me, there was a lot of ship. I best get working. Um, and he just like walks inside and you see his shoulders drop a little bit because it's basically the guy has been told like you need to mop the entire ship. Um, and he just cracks his knuckles um, and uh, he begins to sing. Uh, and you can hear kind of the sound of his hymns echoing uh, through the hall. They're all kind of discordant. They're nowhere near as beautiful as yours, Valentine. He, he writes his own. Uh, and he has grown, you know, in, in fame amidst the, the, the regiments of the Imperial Guard. That's like only because they haven't heard the really good shit that you have access to. Um, so he uh, he continues to kind of do his best uh, as he goes. But uh, you're bolstered by, by his enthusiasm uh, for the task. Excellent. Good find, Atticus. Very good find. Oh, well, thank you very much, sir. Now, it is time for us to organize a meeting with the Order Xenos. Uh, and Valentine will, will walk out because the best place to send any of those kind of messages is either from his quarters or the bridge. Um, probably sure. going to the bridge because they want to know if any other messages have come in from control or any other areas. Uh, okay, excellent. Uh, so you make your way to the bridge uh, to set up uh, the the meeting in the trade. Um, I think uh, what we can say, Ryan, is uh, given that you're really just trying to do a straight trade of goods here, um, I think it's with all the Inquisition staff kicking around, uh, you can probably just do this as a call um, right. from the bridge. And uh, if uh, Maid is cool with it, people can just transport it to him and, and bring your stuff aboard. 
um, unless you actually wanted to go in and see. No, he's he's fine with making a trade. The faster this happens, the better. Um, if he if he would be aware that he might be able to make the trade over the phone, he'd bring Kotov just because Kotov knows the equipment he needs. It'd totally, be yeah, really yeah. Dumb to, it, otherwise, it's like Valentine. Like when I worked on film sets and the camera person would give me a list of what I needed to rent. And they'd be like, can you take this instead? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I just <laughs> have four things on a page. Uh, that'd be Valentine without Kotov. So. Yeah. Understood. Okay. So um, you make your way to the bridge with Kotov over your shoulder. Uh, Morgan, you, during this time, you've been sneaking around. Um, what? Uh, and you mentioned you want to talk to, uh, to, uh, to Grimley, uh, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you, you were looking for specifically like escape hatches and, and secret passages, right? Yeah, just just scouting out the make of the ship. And I think that would be one of the reasons she'd want to talk to Grimley is just like to try and schmooze him. And but also to just like, what's the make of this ship? What how old is it? What <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So for that, can you please give me a I'm going to say streetwise, I think, okay. because you're you're not analyzing it as a pilot. You're analyzing it as a stowaway. Right. Totally. Exactly. Um, that is precisely what she is doing. I'm going to say difficulty three, uh, setback for just, how again, how many people are around uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Boost for Toby. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Well, just, I'm just going to roll it straight and see how it happens. Do it up. It's just a <laughs> wow. This is a weird one. I got one advantage, one failure, one triumph. Oof. Okay. Um. So you do manage to find um some uh like you you haven't found like your your ideal. Well, I mean, you did get a triumph, so we'll say you have found like one proper like in Star Trek terms, like a Jeffrey's tube kind of situation where it's just like something that runs almost the length of the ship that is uh, fairly small, but given the lightweight gear you wear, something you could easily kind of ferret your way through if you had to. Um, so um, basically a bolt hole, which I think immediately for you makes this place feel a little bit more like home. Yeah. Um, so you find that, you realize it's got access routes kind of throughout the ship. Um, so we'll say that that kind of accounts for, for your triumph. Um, for your failure though, uh, I think when you meet Grimley, um, yeah, uh, that's what we'll do. So you find your passage, uh, you, you come into the bridge and, uh, Grimley's got his, you know, his feet up as usual. Um, he's, uh, he's reading, uh, a dog-eared copy, uh, of the, the exploits of, uh, some cowardly Imperial guard or heroic, rather, I should say heroic, wildly <laughs> heroic Imperial guard commander, um, <laughs> renowned for his, his wonderful deeds. Um, and, uh, muttering to himself, but just like, he's just gonna be like, incredible. Oh, such heroics. What a man. Um, as, uh, as you enter, um, What's a, how do you, how do you approach him? What's, what's Morgan's play here? <laughs> Morgan's going to try the bar schmooze that she would come in and she would sit on a surface and like cross her legs in front of him and be like, oh, this is such a nice ship. Someone who pilots the ship was probably very, very good at what they do. <laughs> well, having rolled a failure, he immediately yep. snaps the book shut, um, puts it under his arm absolutely clocks the legs like he still like looks at you from toes up um mm-hmm. but does it as fast and professionally as he can um snaps to attention and uh 
just says, uh, I, pardon me, I'm afraid you'll have to speak to uh, Colonel Viss. And then just like his eye trembles a little bit because he spent a long time. He did. With Atticus Viss over his shoulder, instructing him on who he is now. And uh, as a result, he is, he's not just going to talk to some random lady who walked in and sat mm -hmm, down. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he instead keys a console and just says, uh, Colonel Viss, there's a, a strange woman on the bridge. She's asking me things. I think she might be trying to seduce me. Morgan would clock that right away of like, uh, okay, another point in this, like, things about Atticus. And then she would just drop the, like, trying to be sassy, but she would, when she's uncrossing her legs, she would kick him and then walk out. <laughs> um, great. So he takes a, a boot to the face. Um, you walk well, out. to the face. Okay, well, <laughs> it's a, a gentle kick. A, like, fuck you kick. To the wear. <laughs> to, like, yeah. if, is he, if, he, if he's sitting, like, to his knee, then. Oh, yes. okay, And then, like, right. nee, nee, goodbye. Um, right. Not on my good list. Face. He flinches yeah. slightly, emotional uh, face, but yeah. uh, you go to leave. And again, riding riding the coattails of that uh, that failure, you uh, you bump into Valentine and Kotov entering. Um, <laughs> Inquisitor, and like I'm gonna go down another hallway by, <laughs> just turning to go. Morgan, we're going to contact the Ordo Zenos now. If you'd care to join us for this conversation, she looks. At Gideon, she looks at Valentine. Would you like me to join you for this conversation? It'd be strange if I didn't want you to and gave you this invitation. Please come with us. All right. Grumble, grumble. The Eli grumble. Oh, no, you picked yes. it up. You've been roommates yes. too long. Uh, Eli, speaking of grumble, grumble, are you, would you be following? Uh, well, I mean, I guess Valentine didn't invite they, they you. All, so they probably. all would have been welcome. Okay. He's, they, once people are on board, they're all the way on board. He's not keeping oh. secrets from people in the ship, uh, just outside of it. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eli 100% would have followed. Great. And Atticus? Uh yeah, well, he's he's got to respond to this emergency situation in the cockpit. There's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. So you you burst into the, uh, the, the cockpit. Our yeah, I'm talking to Morgan in the hallway, and this just bursts into the, the bridge. Just yeah. <laughs> um, and weirdly, like Grimly is relieved to see you. Um, at this point, we're just like deep in Stockholm syndrome, and he, um, he just uh, says, "Colonel Viss, I." I I did as you said. Suspicious people were reported. Did did I do well? Well, it depends now, doesn't it? What will you say to this woman while she was in here? I, I, I simply told her that she'd have to speak to you, sir. Oh, well, he told me so many secrets. Oh, it was you. <laughs> Atticus putting it together now. <laughs> What secrets oh. did he tell you? I'm fascinated. He's just, he's gone like pale as a sheet. He is so concerned. Eli's just kind of quietly chuckling to himself. Well, there are certain schematics of this ship that may be unstable, easily accessed. Yes, but you've joined this party, so I would have given you access to those documents if you'd asked. Is there any other quote? It sounds like he's giving you publicly available information that I would have approved. Oh, all right. If you wish to call it that, then. 
in spite of that conversation, Atticus is glowering at... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Grimley's uh, at-attention stance is trembling ever so slightly. My eyes are boring a hole in his skull. Yeah. He just kind of mutters like, I'll I'll do better, sir. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you bloody will. Atticus... (laughs) Could you get Grimly to put us through to the order Zenith? Grimly. Sir. (laughs) Stands back up. Yeah. Order Zenos. On it now. Hop to it. Uh, Right away, sir. Uh, And he sits down and uh, um, sort of like keys in the code. Um, And, you know, it rings a couple times uh, as as such things do Mm -hmm. uh, before connecting uh, to uh, the order Zenos. a servitor kind of like scoots out of the way, and again, it's it's 40k you know transmission technology, so it's it's a bit hazy. Um, but uh, uh, Iskander Maid turns um, uh, uh, to kind of um, address the call. Um, he is uh, he's bald. His kind of face comes to his, his chin comes to a point. Um, part of his face is gone. Um, it is, uh, he's got kind of a, um, almost like if you think of like a Destro from GI Joe style, like silver carved mask, um, that has been kind of welded onto, onto his face, but, um, around his lips, you can see like teeth, um, where the, the mask doesn't quite fit. Uh, and it's, it's very clear that he's taken like some pretty significant damage. Um, he only has one arm, um, but he carries himself with uh, with almost a dancer's grace. Um, so as he he kind of um, turns, it's almost with with a swirl, and he kind of uh, approaches uh, the uh, the Vox Link and the whatever kind of shitty two way broadcast camera there is, um, and uh, says, "Inquisitor Valentine, is it?" Yes, Lord Inquisitor. Thank you for taking this call. Always happy to meet a new face. May I ask, though, why you are bothering me today? Please take no offense. We are just in the middle of some things. Oh, I I take no offense whatsoever. I'm aware that you're busy and your time is valuable. I have come into possession, specifically through one member of my band, Morgan Rawls, who has uncovered a tyrannid carapace that we can track back to a veracity and an original founding from Inquisitor Verklo. It was part of a ritual picked up by the Order Xenos. Now we have it under our possession. It was in no way corrupted because uh, the suspect had no psychic abilities and the ritual was, one could say, a bit of a farce. You know, just exactly what a heretic deserves. Um, and However, he twirls his elegant fingers into a fist and just says, Verklo. I knew he had that. He swore he didn't. Fucking... Forgive me, Inquisitor. There is some history between Verklo and myself. Please go on. You said it has not been tainted by the hideous stench of chaos. Correct. It appears to have been at most graffitied by an idiot who was interested in chaos. Now, just I would full sideshow Bob stepping on a rake level of trembling and just like hmm. it was a perfectly good sample and some idiot ruined it. Um, and yeah, just kind of fist to mouth, but continues to listen. 
Uh, Tom, with the overall size of the carapace, how much of it is affected by the graffiti? Honestly, not that much. Like if you th- like, I'm re- really thinking this is like a shoulder blade, and it's just like dead center. It's it's just like you know, it's like so like maybe less than ten percent of the oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty to go around. Still. Yeah. The, the graffiti affects at most 10% of the surface area, and it would in no way affect the genetic makeup or anything else you need for a study. Now, what I would love to do is, let's say, balance the scales between you and Verklo. I have this sample given, again, by Rawls, who uncovered it. It all, all traced back to her. I would love to exchange it with you, but what I require for my ongoing research into saving the emperor, as we are all doing, uh, is additional access to Aeldari or Necrontier technology. I have uh, Mechanicus Magi here who can carry along any specifications. If you have any samples you can trade, I have a sample I would love to trade. And as I, singular eye kind of goes, goes wide at this and uh, says... Inquisitor, I'm certainly amenable to such a trade. I have wanted to examine this sample for some time, and as you know, Xenos biology, particularly of the Tyranid strain, is rather worth knowing as much as possible about at all times. I am somewhat concerned, though, as a member of the Order Hereticus, why you would want these samples. As you know, There are certain inquisitors amongst us who look a little too deep into the darkness, and I have some concern that without the uh, appropriate training in the way of the Xenos, that bad things could befall you. After all, I am a master of understanding and dealing with that scum, and I am not impervious to it either. And he kind of like gestures to all of the wounds he's taken from dealing with Xenos shit. Um, He says, so what is your purpose with these samples? Yes, yes, that is a very reasonable and astute question. I am studying the networks of the heretic Barthus Billingberg. I was declared extremist diabolus. I have hunted through his network. I have executed him in the field. And now I'm seeking to understand the technology that he built as the core of his network of followers and elsewhere. It's the only way I can be sure that I can dismantle everything he's built. And at the end of it, I would destroy or turn over to the Order Xenos, any technology I recover, as well as the original samples. I have no interest for myself. I am solely interested in ending this heresy that has spread itself insidiously through our Orders, as well as the galaxy. Um, And he uh, nods and says, Yes, when one of our kind goes bad, it is rather bad for all involved, is it not? If... This Billingberg fellow has indeed leveraged Xenos technology, merged it with the glory of the Imperium. That is cause for concern. I'll tell you what, Inquisitor, I am happy to send you what you need in exchange for this sample. And again, forgive me, I mean no offense, but I do require one of my agents to go with you. I trust you as much as I trust any of our order, but if someone like Billingberg can fall, so too may we all. I need someone there to provide oversight. One of my interrogators. Is this amenable to you? Absolutely. Any assistance taking down this network would be greatly appreciated. Well, very good. Then I guess I can send them with the samples. They will keep an eye on them, and you can send the sample my way. And he, he like, pauses for a second and really considers what's gone down here. Uh, I was going to make you roll for this, but that's actually just a really compelling argument, so fuck it. 
Um, he says, uh, I must say, Inquisitor, my day is interrupted quite frequently by all manner of requests and needs. This has proven to be the most elucidating and useful one I've had in some time. You have my thanks and my professional respect. My associate will be with you shortly. May the Emperor's light shine upon you in your quest. I wish you all the best. And thank you once again for helping us keep an eye on how the Tyranids work. Until, of course, we can stamp them out of the galaxy entirely. The more knowledge we have, the better. Absolutely. We learn until we can afford to burn our libraries, as is the Imperium's way. Are you sure you're not Ordo Xenos? And then he cuts the call. I do like that man. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Aplant at the Ryan Aplant on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Borovic at Del Tastic on Twitter as Morgan Rawls, and our game master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merch dice available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorraine Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Weeze, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Where am I? Welcome to Desert Skies, Traveler. Your journey through the physical plane has come to an end. I am the attendant. My colleague here is the mechanic. Yo! This is your last stop on your way to the great beyond. It's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride. Now... Before hitting the road, we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what, what's going on? There's gotta be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on! Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong with me. You left something major 
undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interests? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane, the people we left behind. You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find Desert Skies wherever you listen to podcasts.